Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning. She is excited and I am overwhelmed. Chris and I were talking this morning because it's so exciting for me to be able to do this. But then all week I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. And then last night all of a sudden a weight falls on you that you're talking for God today. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, you start shaking and it's unbelievable. My wife could tell you there's not much that I get shaken about or nervous about. And it seems like every time I get the opportunity to do this, the night before, it's like, oh, God, here we go. So I'm handing it over to him today. I was literally going to stand on my Bible today because I figured then I'm okay. Because we're handing this over to him. So if things go completely disastrous today, talk to him, not me. So there is so much that I want to try to give you today because it's so it's it's not so often I get the opportunity to do this but I literally do it every day and I enjoy it so much that it's just a joy and a pleasure to do this um, I can't thank Chris and John and all of you enough for giving me the opportunity to do this it it overwhelms me sometimes thinking that I'm actually doing this you know some of one, one of my sisters, Deb, is here today, and she could tell you more than anybody. I'm the last person anybody expected would be up here talking about God. But uh, I want to start with a prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for all that you're doing in my life, in my family's life, in our church, and all the people of this church's lives. We invite your Holy Spirit in here today. I pray that it's you that takes over the words that come out of my mouth. And pray that if there's that one person whose heart needs to be softened a little bit today, maybe I could do that uh, through you, of course. So we just invite you in here today, and I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. There's so much I want to give you, so this is going to be interesting, because yesterday afternoon, I went and had lunch with my son, Cass, and all of a sudden, I felt like God told me, change it all. So yesterday afternoon, I feverishly started changing everything and realized I don't know how to duplicate slides. So... I crammed everything into the blank slides that were on the screen, so it's a lot. But we're going to try to get through as much of this as we can. John went off James a little bit into evangelism last week, and then we're coming back into James again. So it's actually perfect that I'm in between because I have been blessed with a gift of evangelism and discernment and the heart of a servant, and I do it every day. And all I could do is encourage you all to open your hearts and let God show you what he has in store for you. Because when you do, it's pretty amazing what happens. Um, I'm going to cheat because my ADD is so incredible, especially when I'm here looking at all of you and all these new faces. I'm like, man, John and I are always talking about who can we chase out of church. So we'll see who I can chase out today. Um, I'm going to do something different today that we normally don't do here. We're gonna, there's two songs that I'm going to play, and one in the beginning, one in the end, and I really would like everyone to look at the words of these songs. These two songs feel like me, and when I hear them, they literally almost take me out. 
and all week I was playing them, getting ready for this, because God was telling me to share this with all of you. So, because sometimes I think, not that we're nobody, but we feel like we're nobody. Who am I to go share the Word of God? Who am I to, to go share the Word with this person? And you feel like you're not really worthy of doing that, but God's called all of us. So, we all have, if the Holy Spirit's in you, listen to those inclinations and do what God's asked you to do. Because all of our actions matter. Everything we do matters. You might not realize it, but people around you are watching you all the time. And some of us plant seeds, some of us water seeds, some of us harvest. But people are watching you more than you think. So if you're going to go around touting to everyone that you're a Christian and telling them about our church, Let's try to walk like we're a Christian and part of this church. Our walks are more important than our talk. I go over that all the time. Um, and God has given us all purpose. This is going to kill me. When we were doing our evangelism training, John had talked about the fact that maybe he left watermark for that one. And that one is me. And it blows me away. But I can tell you this, we talk all the time about how it only takes one to reach hundreds and thousands of people. Due to me being here, we have people in the tri-state New York area, uh, Connecticut, Carolina, Florida, Chicago, Northern California watching our church on Sundays. So this is kind of cheesy, but I have to say hello to Ronnie and Mary Alberti. And... <laughs> They're in Waynesville, North Carolina, and they faithfully watch every week, right? And I'm glad Grayson's here to hear this because they just love you. Sometimes if you notice during church when Grayson's playing, I'll look at my phone. It's because Ronnie's texting me telling me how much he likes Grayson. So, but this guy and I have been friends since we were four years old. So I'm just so overwhelmed with joy that they actually join us every Sunday. But the first, this. why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life, I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody I'm Trying to tell everybody We're all about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus. When Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight, you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen, and you changed the world. Well, the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose. So when I hear that devil start talking to me, saying, Who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song 
I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. So let me go down, down, down in history as another blood-bought, faithful member of the family. And if they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. So let me go down, down, down in history. down in history. As another blood faithful member of his family. That's all I ever want to be. And if they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me. For the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm just a no. I love that. This is really funny to me, and it occurred to me while sitting there. Ronnie just texted me, I love you, brother. We're praying hands. When I was on the other side of this thing, Ronnie was my meat. I used to do stuff that maybe I'm not so proud of doing, and I was a little guy, so I needed a big guy that was my meat, and it was him. <laughs> so I'm glad that he's still with me, and we're both still here, because now I get to talk about Jesus, and he gets to listen. All right, so today we're talking about James. I'm going to go through James 1 through 12, and then I'm going to dive into it, because there's an awful lot inside these few little paragraphs. When you look at it in the Bible, John told me, well, hey, I want you to talk about 1 through 12 which kind of threw me because 13 and 14 are really what I do every day. And I'm like, well, why don't you let me go next week? But I think he planned this because a lot of people don't know, but him and my wife have a big football thing going on, the Bucks and the Saints. And the Saints are playing the Bucks right now, and he's in a bar watching it, and she's sitting here. So he won today. I think he planned this. I don't even think Hudson's playing this weekend, but that's, that's another story. But uh, he's been called out. But anyway, James, <laughs> James 2, 1 through 12. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into the assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors as yourself, and you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. 
for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's so my kids that are here can see that I do know how to read. Um, there's a big joke in my house that I really don't know how to read. Uh, what, what the whole beginning of James talks about is favoritism and prejudice. And especially in today's society, we're really good at favoritism, whether we realize it or not. Uh, I came across this book this week while I was putting my notes together and studying. And Gordon Alport, author of Nature of Prejudice, says, defines prejudice as feeling favorable or unfavorable towards a person or thing prior to or not based on actual experience. In other words, we make preconceived judgments, which is a sin. How many of us say, well, I don't do that, right? Well, a lot of us say we don't do that because when we think of prejudice, we think of race, right? We usually don't associate it with wealth or poor or usually in our society nowadays, every time we talk about prejudice, everyone always thinks it's race, but we're all guilty of it and we all need to work on not doing it. The next uh, definition I have for you of prejudice may open your eyes a little. Prejudice can be an effective feeling towards a person based on their perceived group membership. The word is often used to refer to a preconceived, usually unfavorable, evaluation or classification of another person based on that person's perceived political affiliation, sexuality, gender, identity, beliefs, religion, social class, age, disability, language, race, nationality, culture, complexion, beauty, height, weight, education, sports teams, musical tastes, and all other personal characteristics. So when you look at it that way, we all do it. There's, oh, well, hey, why don't you go help that? Oh, I don't want to do that for that person. Or why don't you, well, I don't want to do that. Or I don't like what they're into. Or I don't like what they're in. That's not what God called us to do. God called us to be the example to love on everybody and love on everybody equally. And that's what James is talking about in James 2. Showing favoritism, why is it wrong? And I'll tell you, I got all this out of the Bible. So if any of you think, where did he come up with this stuff? Open your Bible. Um, favoritism, why it is wrong? It is inconsistent with Christ's teachings. It results from evil thoughts. It insults people made in God's image. It is a byproduct of selfish motives. It goes against the biblical definition of love. It shows a lack of mercy to those less fortunate. It's hypocritical. And the bottom line, it's a sin. Sin is sin. John talks about all the time that there is a chain between us and God. And no matter what link of that chain you break, you're breaking that chain. So I encourage everyone to think about this because we do it all the time. I do it. We all do it. We're all guilty. But it's not what God wants us to do. Okay, I'm going to try to go through James as quickly as I can because I really want everyone to be out of here by noon today. So, <laughs> but there's a lot in these six paragraphs. Um, James 2.1, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? 1 Corinthians 2.8, but the rulers of this have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is one of the things that came over me yesterday because I was looking at all these other ways that we do what we do and how we judge people when we don't do anything. And then it really brought me back to when, when Jesus died and was crucified for us. 
The Jewish leaders rejected Jesus for a number of reasons. One, at that time, the Jews did not associate with the Gentiles. The Jews did not go out of the Jewish culture. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, did I say that right? Sadducees, obviously I'm no theologian, but um, uh, they rejected him because they made, he made them uncomfortable. The ones that actually saw him for who he was knew that he's stirring stuff up and this isn't good for us. You know, and that comes down to some of what we talk about, the hypocrisy and self-righteousness of religion, because they thought they were better than everybody. And who is this guy from Galilee coming in here and he's going to mess everything up for us? It was very uncomfortable for them. The same thing happens to us. We see somebody that we think we should help or we see an impoverished person that we think we should help. And when we go to do it, it's very uncomfortable. So we stop because it takes us out of their comfort zone. If they weren't so set on what they were doing and their lifestyle and the power that they had through what they had, they didn't realize the Messiah was standing in front of them the whole time. When Jesus was crucified and that curtain tore in the temple and he gave his life for us, it opened up the playing field for everyone. Now Jews, Gentiles, everyone alike can receive the word of God and, and come to God through Jesus. And the Pharisees and Sadducees and all, they didn't want that because now their little, their little game is up. The gig is up. That's the way I look at it. Today, we're still divided by classifications, as I mentioned earlier, and it's sinful. God views all people as equals. And if he favors anyone, it's the poor and the powerless. We should follow his example. Matthew 25, 45, I tell you the truth. When you refuse help to the least of my brothers and sisters, you're refusing help to me. And we, we need to be aware of what we're doing every day. It's crazy, this whole relationship I have with God. I, I know that God had his hand on me my whole life. And when I was called, he showed me. And Heidi can attest to this. Every time I would go back east, I would go to St. Francis Church, even when I was the biggest heathen in this room, and go see this statue in front of St. Francis for some reason, which used to always make me think, why am I drawn to look at this statue? So I want to share it with you. Um, whoop, come here. That's in front of St. Francis Church in New York City. It says, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers or sisters, you did for me. And I don't know what always drew me to that, but now I know. So we got to Feel in our hearts and search in our hearts for what God has called us to do. Um, oh, I think I lost myself here. Bear with me, everybody. There's an awful lot here. Okay. I just wanted to share that with all of you because it just means a lot to me. Um, and now I know why. James 10, uh, 2, 10, and 11. For the person who keeps all the law except one is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must... Did I read this already? It's so familiar to me, I thought I already read it. Um, you can st stand over there, sit on the floor. Well, wait, what is going on here? Hey, are you guys messing with me? I'm wondering, how did I get to 10 when I didn't even go through 2 and 7 yet? All right, let's back up a bit here because I'm running short. Two, two, three, seven. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry 
and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and good seed to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgment is guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich that oppress and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? You know, I read that so many times this week, you'd think I would have known that. The, um, one of the things with wealthy and successful people that I think fool all of us is, some, and I deal with wealthy people all day. My business, I deal with millionaires, billionaires all day. And some of them are very intelligent, wise decisions, and and do the right things. And some of them actually live very righteously. And I think that's what they're given, what they're given, because they do well with it. But I have to tell you, there's an awful lot of them that are either living off the family money or dishonestly made that money or stepped on everybody they possibly could to get that money. And they don't deserve to be treated the way we treat them just because they show up in a fancy car and nice clothes. So we need to really think about how we treat everyone because you never know who's standing in front of you. You know, half the times I walk into a place during the day in my jeans and t-shirt and no one expects me to be who I am. And I catch them off guard and I love it because right away they're judging you when you walk in not knowing who you are and then all of a sudden me and Jesus hit them in the head and they don't know what was coming. You know, because I know I don't look like that guy. And it's a trip that I'm that guy now. So, and I love it. And if anybody has a problem with it, I can revert and teach you a lesson. And then I'll pray for you, you know. Like I tell everybody, let's not mistake kindness for weakness. I'm choosing to be nice to you right now. So, okay, here we go. The same thing with, with the poor. I have a friend of mine who's extremely wealthy. And when you see him, he'll have a pair of jeans, usually no shoes, and a T-shirt on. When Heidi finally met him one day because I left my keys on his $9 million yacht, and he drove me home to get him. He came in the house to say hello to Heidi with no shoes on. So Claire can tell you, anyone from the South is going to tell you not to go outside with no shoes on. So Heidi asked him, what, where are your, he's looking at me, where's this guy's shoes? You know. So I get my keys and I leave. And she goes, is that Doug with the boat? And I go, yeah, that's Doug with the boat. She goes, oh my God, I would have never known. This guy's worth all this money. But him and I go to the... Uh, BMW dealer over here because he switched to Mercedes and decided they were going to get two brand new 850i's or whatever the big model was at that time. So Doug and I walk into the BMW dealer and the first two salesmen look right past us. And Doug says to one of the other guys, hey, um, you want to show me these cars? He goes, look, I got someone coming. I'll get with you in a minute. So we see a kid, a young guy sitting over in one of the sales offices. We go over there and Doug says, hey, are you a salesman? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you want to sell me a car? And the guy goes, well, yeah. And he gets up and he takes him out and he shows him the car. And he goes, you want to go for a test drive? He goes, I don't need it. He goes, I already knew what I came in here to buy today. I want a black one for me and a white one for my wife. Can you have them ready at 2 o'clock? And he goes, well, who are you? And he hands him a black card and he says, don't worry about who I am. I'll be here at 2 o'clock to pick up my cars. 
So this kid sold like $200,000 worth of cars just because he didn't judge, you know? And we all do the same thing. I've coached kids a lot of times in my life. If any of you ever coached children, you could tell them, let's sing our, everybody on a team's name and they'll do it. You could tell them to sing the alphabet. You could tell them to sing anything and they'll just do it because their hearts are open. But if I ask some of you to go out and tell the guy out in the parking lot, God loves you, you're going to freeze up and you don't want to do it because we've set all these walls up. So we got to let God knock those walls down and open our hearts out so that we feel more comfortable to share with people because that's really what he's called us to do. I'm going to skip all these notes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Real wealth. Real wealth, no one can take from you, no one can buy, no one can steal it. It's the peace given you by God, by his grace and mercy. It's what I walk in every day, and it's what I pray that all of you would experience. I pray that God would draw my family closer. I pray for everyone I know to experience that peace. Philippians 4, 7 is my favorite verse in the Bible. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace guards your heart and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. I walk in this every day, and it is amazing because nothing bothers me. Because all this stuff that bothers us and all this stuff that we think is important is literally just stuff. The more you get into this relationship with the God and the more you realize what's important, what he's called us to do, the less this stuff matters. My favorite thing I tell everybody is you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. So if it was that important, you would see more of them. Um, James 2, 10, and 11. For the person who keeps all of the law. And you know what? I want to tell you something. <laughs> This should be fun. Going out and sharing the word of God should be fun. This isn't a burden. It isn't, a, it isn't like, oh my God, I got to go share the word of God. His yoke is light. If we're not having fun and you're, you're, you just need to get with it because this, this should be a lot of fun. You know, I don't even have words to explain to you how excited I am about being able to do this. Um, okay, I'm going to start all over. James 10, 11. <laughs> for the person who keeps all of the law except one is as guilty as a oh I already read this um, we should try to narrow the gap is what I'm getting at I am one of the most fallible people that have probably walked through this door or at least I was God has done a lot of good in my life he's changed a lot I can't stop cussing but I'm trying but that's what I talk about narrowing that gap sin is sin if we literally took a notepad and wrote down everything we do all day that's sin, I don't have to do that because I am so connected to God. When I do it, inside I go, oh, why did I do that? You know, AJ could tell you he works with me. I pick on him all the time. And every time I do it, I say to myself, oh, I got to stop doing that. But um, we all need to take inventory and try to narrow that gap every day. Um, ask God for forgiveness when you do it. And renew your effort to not do it. You know, John talks about all the time, narrowing that gap. Let's narrow that gap. Bear with me, everybody. I know I'm all over the place. Um, but are you, is, is anyone enjoying this? Is God working for us? Woo, amen. Every time I do this, I get more and more comfortable. I like it more and more. This is so good. Um, James 2.12. Coming, we're coming around the corner. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. The law of liberty. 
John 8, 31 and 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. I was speaking to someone on Friday that I had been calling on and sharing the word with on a regular basis. And when he answered the phone and I started to talk to him, he goes, Eddie, I have to tell you something before you start talking to me. And I go, what's that? He goes, I am free. He goes, I am so happy I am free. And I'm like, what are you talking about, John? He goes, it came over me last night that God has got this and I'm free. He goes, thank you. And I go, what are you thanking me for? And he goes, because you're the one who keeps calling me. And I said, don't thank me, thank Jesus. He just told me to call you. So, but really, he's waiting for you. I can't say enough how much he's waiting for you. Um, As Christians, we are saved by God's free gift of grace through faith, not by keeping the law. Grace is free. It's the gift of God's love and mercy. Due to God's love and mercy, we have peace. And thank God for my friend John because he's found peace. And I pray that for all of you to find God's peace. Jesus did this for us on the cross. How do we not go out and share the word with people? How do you not go out and share what he's given you? We're like the servant who was given the talons and held them all. So many of us study the Bible. We study verses. We We go to men's groups. We talk to Christians. And we talk about what a great Christian we are and we're fooling ourselves. Because if you're keeping all that to yourself and you're not giving it away, you're not doing what God's called you to do. So I encourage everyone, he has got you. If you get that inclination to step out and talk to someone, he will not let you down. I can testify to that because I've been doing it for the last six and a half years blindly. And he's never once left me in in a glitch. Summary of James 2, uh, genuine faith has no prejudice. James argues against favoritism and for the necessity of good deeds, he presents these three principles of faith. The third one is actually leading into what John's going to be talking about next week. So first one is commitment. You must commit yourself to the heart of Christ. That's exactly what I've been talking about. God's standing there waiting for you. We all talk about how, oh, we go to church every week, or we do this, or we do that, but have you actually really opened your heart to Christ and let him in? You know, I think everybody should go look in the mirror this afternoon if you're not feeling this incredible feeling I'm feeling right now, and ask yourself if you've actually opened your heart up to Christ to let him in, because you owe it to yourself to do it. Second is right actions. This should look familiar to everybody. Word, day, pray. Being connected to to Christ, you cannot keep from doing good things. You can't keep from going out and sharing. You can't open the door for someone. You can't go help that poor person. You can't, you can't help not to do that when the Holy Spirit fills you. He oozes out of me during the day. If you, if you literally are in that relationship and you talk to him every day and you have a relationship with him, it's almost like you're walking with a friend of yours when he asks you to do it and he's standing there with you when you go and do it. So I encourage everyone to to continue to try to grow in their relationship with God. Uh, The third is James uh, 2, 14 through 18. Faith without good deeds doesn't do anyone any good. It's useless. I will show you my faith through good deeds. 
Now, that's not works. That's not, that's not the law. That's not fulfilling the law. That's just sharing the word and doing what God has called us to do. When God left the disciples, he knew that if he stayed, no one would listen to them. So when he left, he told them, go out and share the word with everyone, with the nations. That's what we're called to do. I, I truly believe that we all can be kind and show mercy and don't judge. Try to understand people. The next time you come across someone you're judging, talk to them. Try to understand where they're coming from. Try to understand what they're going through. Because most of the time, it's going to wake you up to not what you thought you were looking at. We just have to be kind enough to stop and listen. I can tell you I have a hard time listening. My wife will probably attest to that tenfold over. But God has taught me to listen a little more, and I'm trying to listen more. He gave us one mouth and two ears. I think you'd be surprised what happens when you ask a question and listen. Sharing the word is easy because you don't have to go out and beat somebody with it. If you ask somebody what they're going through, they're going to share with you, especially when God's involved, and it's going to be really easy to guide them into this relationship and peace with God. I think about David a lot, and I always hear people talk about um, David. David, I don't think, was the best stone thrower in the world. Obviously, he was good at it, but... What gave David the strength and power to do that is that he believed in his faith in God. And he knew that God had him. And he knew what God called him to do. And when God called him to go out and slay that giant, he didn't think anything of it. And all he had was a bunch of stones. But what he had is in his heart, he knew that God had him and that he was okay because he was walking with God. And that's what we all got to remember. God's got us. So every day when you're out there throwing stones, think about who asked you to throw them and throw them nicely. Um, I want to have us uh, take communion and then Jed O'Clair come up. As I was reading through the Bible this weekend and this week getting ready for this, I was thinking about all the things that people did in the Old Testament, burnt offerings, blood offerings, all the things they had to do to try to get right with God, all the labor and all the law and all the works that went into it. And then I got to thinking about what Jesus Christ did for us and how easy he's made our lives, right? We don't, we have these nice little cups. All we have to do is open them and take communion. If you're here every week and you're here every week because you say, I showed up at church and you take communion because it's part of the process, it's like in another church that I grew up in, there's a lot of procedures that you do. Even though you don't know what you're doing them for, you just do it. If you're doing it just because we're all doing it, don't do it. If you really, really want to continue in this covenant with God and get to be a piece of Him, take what that represents to us. When God gave thanks, He broke the bread and gave thanks and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I encourage everyone to do that in remembrance of him and what he did for us, not because we're all doing it today. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The disciples did this not knowing what they were doing. They didn't know what was getting ready to happen. We know what happened. We know what he did. And this is an opportunity we get to, to come into this relationship with God. So I just want to uh, end with a prayer and let Jed and uh, Claire sing us out. 
Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity, this time. I pray that if there was, like I said, one person in here today that needed to hear what you had me say, that it may have softened their heart and led them closer to you. I thank you for all that you do in my life, in our church, and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you.